you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Studios. From LAS Studios, this is How to LA, the podcast that explains what's going on in this beautiful and complicated city. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Today, I want to talk about something that, depending on your perspective, is either a relief or anxiety-inducing. President Biden has informed Congress he will end the national emergencies for addressing COVID-19. More than three years after being put into place, the COVID public health emergency at the federal level will come to an end on May 11th. In case you missed it last week, we cross a major milestone in the United States. The country is officially closing a chapter in its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Hard to believe. In other words, as far as the federal government is concerned, COVID-19 is now just like any other infectious disease. To be clear, though, COVID is definitely still out there. People are still getting sick and dying. In the U.S., 323 people died from the virus last week alone. But federal funding for things like tests and vaccines is running out. Once it's gone, it's gone, and there will be no more support. But California is doing things a little differently. If you live in California, you basically get another six months of the federal health emergency. But your sister, who lives in Arizona, is not going to be enjoying those same protections. To break it all down, we hit up Jackie Fortier. She's a senior health reporter for Elliot. Hey. All right, so first things first, people are still getting infected with COVID, right? Yeah, absolutely. People are definitely still getting infected and people are still dying. COVID-19 is one of the leading causes of death in Los Angeles County. The average number of people in the hospital with COVID last week in L.A. was 252 and 46 people died in L.A. County from COVID last week. It's, It's lower, much lower than it was, which is good. But yeah, people are still very much impacted. We're obviously talking today because of the federal COVID emergency order has gone away, which means different things right now in different states. In California, we have a little bit more time before we start losing funding for certain services. Can you explain that? Yeah. So if you test positive now for COVID, you'll still be able to get free treatments such as Paxlovid, which is an antiviral. You know, as long as the federal government supply lasts nationwide, basically they paid for it. It's available. After that, it depends on which state you live in. So in California, state lawmakers effectively added six months to the federal public health emergency. That means that health plans that are regulated by the California Department of Managed Health Care are required to continue to pay for COVID tests, vaccines, and treatment, both in and out of network without prior authorization or cost sharing. After that expires, November 11th, people with Medicare will face out-of-pocket costs depending on their health plan and how much you'll pay for antivirals will depend on what type of health coverage you have. The COVID vaccines will still be free for most people. I am 
a healthy, I want to say healthy but tired because I'd be tired all the time, 32-year-old man. There's so much advice out there. I kind of want to know what number of vaccines should I be on to, you know, just be fully protected against COVID? Yeah, well, they actually made it pretty simple recently. In April, uh, the CDC uh, changed their vaccine advice. So there's only one vaccine you can get now against COVID, and that's the bivalent shot. The original COVID-19 vaccine was matched against the first strain of the virus. That was the one that was first identified in Wuhan, China. That strain of the virus is no longer circulating. The Omicron variant and its subvariants are the predominant strains you know, throughout the world. So the bivalent shots target both the original strain and the Omicron variant. Mm. And they were first authorized as booster doses last fall, the fall of 2022. And in April, the FDA withdrew authorization for those older COVID-19 vaccines. So everyone aged six years and older should get one bivalent shot in order to be up to date. Now, you may have gotten that last fall when they first became available. People 65 and older can get a second bivalent shot if they want to. You probably want to talk to your doctor about that. People who are moderately or severely immunocompromised can get additional bivalent shots. And then with younger kids, it gets a little more complicated. Children six months to five years old, they need multiple doses of COVID-19 vaccines to be up to date, including at least one dose of the bivalent shot. So you would need to talk to your pediatrician about that. And you have a guide on all of this on Elias.com. So just FYI, audience members, you're hearing this and you want to get up to date. We all have that on Elias.com. Now, I kind of want to go somewhere. You've been covering the story since the onset of the pandemic. And I want to say thank you because I know it's been hard as a correspondent for Elias and just overall, you know, this health crisis how are you feeling as those like official orders are, are coming to an end? I feel cautiously optimistic, but I also feel trepidatious. I have talked to a lot of people who have gotten COVID and I've talked to a lot of people with long COVID who are very scared. And I'm afraid that people will think that this means that COVID is gone and will no longer take any protections. And that's I mean, it's simply not the case. It's it's a virus. It doesn't care what regulations we pass. COVID will be with us for the rest of our lives. It is just heart-wrenching to hear from health workers and to hear from people who have lost family members to COVID. They feel forgotten about. And it's it's been, you know, it's it's really been awful. We've had, you know, more than 30,000 people in L.A. County die from COVID, 1.1 million in the U.S. And and that's continuing. That hasn't stopped. I'm hopeful that fewer people will die and fewer people will suffer because we have these vaccines. We have these amazing antivirals, which are, I mean, truly incredible that people have access to, which is great. But I'm I'm hoping that people remember that it is still out there and it is still affecting people. But yeah, it's been it's been difficult to cover something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Yeah, all of us just didn't think this would amount to such a disaster and the crisis we've we've had. And you know, I I still see people being careful and wearing masks indoors and sometimes even outdoors just because they just don't want to you know, be infected because of where they're at in life. And you spoke to so many people through the pandemic um, who, for them, COVID is not going away. What have you heard? 
Well, I think you're talking to one of them. Um, I am still fairly cautious. I wear a mask in public spaces, especially indoors. And a lot of those people that you see wearing masks are, you know, immunocompromised or immunosuppressed, certainly. So if they get COVID, that's a lot different than if somebody who isn't immunosuppressed gets COVID, you know, one infection and they could land back in the hospital. I know people who have been hospitalized multiple times because of COVID. I'm sure they would love to not be wearing a mask when they're out and about. But uh, the people that I've talked to are very scared uh, that people won't will no longer take it seriously now that the federal COVID emergency is over. And there's a lot that we don't know about COVID. So just because you don't have long COVID now doesn't mean you will never have long COVID. This is a very, very new you know, syndrome. We don't even have an official diagnostics to figure out what's going on with people with long COVID. There's a lot of people who have long COVID who are now disabled who weren't before the pandemic began. I've talked to a lot of people within the disability advocate sphere who are afraid that the technological resources that were made available during the pandemic will go away, like open meetings and ability to you know, work from home and work on Zoom and things like that, that we all got really used to. People in the disability rights you know, sphere have been saying for years that they should be able to do that. And all of a sudden, we all had to do it. They really don't want that to go away. But I think, you know, people who are immunosuppressed and immunocompromised are fearful that it's going to make it harder for them to be able to participate in the world if everybody stops taking protections. I would add, too, that if even if you're not immunocompromised now, that doesn't mean that you won't be in the future. A good example would be for uh, half the population, if you became pregnant, you're considered immunocompromised. If you live long enough, you will become disabled. So you will be the impacted portion of society uh, before long, God willing. What would be another way people could kind of like take care of their communities if you're not really masking at, let's say, you know, the grocery store or when you go and go see your friend at their apartment? wondering for those not maskers. (laughs) I think one main thing is to just be respectful of what people ask of you. So, you know, if you have a friend who asks you to take a test before they come and see you, take a test before you go and see them. You know, it takes 15 minutes. You could do it in the car sitting in front of their house. And then I would also say being aware of how you feel before you go hang out around a bunch of other people. I mean, if you if you don't feel well, you should definitely take a rapid test before you go into the office or before you go into, you know, your friend's party or something. You don't want to be the person who gave your friends COVID. We'll get more into that after the break. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish, rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Start your Saturday with something that will grow your kiddos' brains and get their creative juices flowing. Join us at LAS for a morning of multilingual story times, interactive performances, art making, and lots of kid fun. Bring the whole fam and join us for a super fun Saturday at LAS in Pasadena on June 1st. Tickets at las.com slash events. See you there. You're listening to How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Okay, so Jackie, I'm going to keep it real with you. When I go to the store, I have not been putting on a mask. And, you know, at gatherings, I'm not putting on a mask. The other day, I started masking at Target. Cause Target, I feel like it's different from the grocery store. I feel like Target, everyone goes, specifically with kids. And I'm like, oh, my God. But do these, like, federal orders slash state orders, when, you know, the state order has gone away in November, does it impact our lives for us folks who are a little bit more loose with these protocols we've had for a few years now? Yeah, it will definitely impact you because you can still get COVID. And getting COVID is going to cost you money. If you live in California, you basically get another six months of the federal health emergency. But your sister who lives in Arizona, who also has health insurance, is not going to be enjoying those same protections. And if you get COVID past November 11th, then you get any care outside of your health plan network you're going to pay what you would pay if you got out-of-network care for any other communicable disease. And hospital stays are expensive, and it's a lot less likely that you're going to be in the hospital if you get a shot. Another big thing, though, is that we're going to have less data on COVID in the community. The CDC will stop sharing data on COVID-19 transmission and community levels. The agency is no longer going to update its vaccination numbers because it's expensive and Congress didn't want to pay for any more of it. On a local level, L.A. County Public Health says that they're going to you know, continue to monitor wastewater, which is one way to tell how much COVID there is. The other mm. one is hospitalization. But you got to be pretty sick to be in the hospital. So we're not going to have as clear of an idea how many people have COVID nationwide that we had before. One more thing before I let you go, Jackie. I'm sure you learned a lot covering a pandemic and we'll still be covering it here on LAist. Do you feel like we're prepared for another health crisis like this? You know, what are experts saying? Are, are people ready for another one if it were to happen? So I've interviewed three heads of the CDC throughout my career. Hmm. The first two were before the pandemic. And I remember asking them, what keeps you up at night? right? Pretty mm-hmm. basic journalistic question. This is all pre-COVID. And they both said, a pandemic, probably the flu, and we are not ready. I have covered health for 10 years now. It was terrifying watching our network crumble, frankly, mm-hmm. under COVID. Um, we don't have the public health system that we had even in the 1980s versus now. We have underfunded it for decades. I think nationwide we are not prepared for another pandemic. We did have a little bit of a dry run with MPOX. That came out of nowhere. I remember. There were a lot of the same uh, issues, especially with vaccine distribution, and only certain people could qualify for the vaccine. So I'm hopeful that public health officials have learned a little bit and prioritized that they would allocate a little bit more towards beefing up our public health system 
you know, within the United States and make it a priority. I will say, too, now everyone's hiring for health reporters. (laughs) Nobody wanted a health reporter before the (laughs) pandemic. All of a sudden, everybody wants to have a health reporter. So that's positive. You are confident. Um, From a journalistic point of view, I'm I'm happy about that. Jackie, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your the resources you brought on today. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's LAS Senior Health Reporter Jackie Fortier. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more, just check out LAS.com slash HowToLA. We'll have a link to Jackie's reporting on there. My name is Sam, and I'm from Hollywood. I think for me, I still choose to wear a mask because... I mostly just hadn't realized how stagnant the air that we were breathing in enclosed spaces was. It's really important to try to reduce the spread of diseases, and I feel like our society just kind of hasn't thought that through. COVID was a wake-up call. Frankly, I just don't want to be breathing in all of the dead skin and spittle and whatever else might be circulating in the hours-old air in your neighborhood target. Okay, we're done for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another How I Got Started. This episode was produced by Evan Jacoby. Our other producers are Megan Botel and Victoria Alejandro. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events.